0: It's time for Building the Game, 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 with with Jason and friends, friends. for tabletop gamers on the phone never it's at the end of the the episode, episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, April 10th, and you're listening to episode 567. As always, I am your host Jason, and here today I am joined by the one, the only, the triple rainbow, the triple named Jamie Sabrio-Flez. <laughs> oh hey, my Jamie. God,
1: that's so fun! I the intro <laughs> became
0: so fun. It just, uh, it just, uh, all of a sudden, I was like, we're just gonna go for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so. that's the that's the beauty of improv. You just you don't think you only do. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: um so you uh you went to PAX how was that you and I haven't really talked about that it just occurred to me that you went to PAX oh yeah that's we were going to record last week but you were prepping for PAX and was like you know what why don't we just or no you had just got back from PAX and you were tired I was like you know what let's just do the next week because I have got a bunch of stuff too let's just wait (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so we yeah we haven't caught up since PAX so all right so PAX PAX East for the uninitiated Mm -hmm. yes the the PAX we refer to the unplugged the one not one the unplugged, not Pax West or Pax South, I think also exists. Pax I Australia, think Pax, PAX Antarctica. Antarctica.
0: Very poorly Ooh. attended that one.
1: Yeah. That oh my god, I would live there. Antarctica. Hell I would yeah. totally go there, yes. It's uh, it's way too hot here. Um so uh <laughs> it is out of the conventions that I enjoy, it is my least favorite of the ones that I enjoy. I do enjoy it. <laughs>
0: this but it's is my, my least favorite,
1: favorite. endorsement, Jamie. Because... Of all the
0: conventions I enjoy, this is the one. I enjoy the least <laughs> yes
1: but i do still enjoy it the issue is that it is so overstimulating for my poor autistic brain that's the yeah, big that's thing fair, there's a lot, a lot of noise and a lot of lights because i i cannot been... recommend it if you oh, well i'm gonna be demoing on the expo floor of gen con this year so yeah. let me know I'm how excited. you feel about that
0: I'll, I'll tell you this if you if you're gonna demo try to get in there before the crush of like the first like 15 minutes like don't try and have either have your shift like right away or like an hour or so in that way you can get there early before they open the doors to the general public yeah or you can get there an hour or so afterwards because if you need to be somewhere immediately it is the worst most claustrophobic uh attack on your senses like oh, no. you'll ever have
1: to have oh it's no. awful it's awful so i mean here's all right fun little jamie secret i will not go to a convention unless i have an exhibitor badge so i can get in early smart and, smart yeah. and have and not have to wait in the line because i am allergic to lines and and yeah, crowds I, I freak me out yeah i don't
0: like it either so yeah
1: yeah so i'll i'll be demoing for hachette and resinim at gen con cool so cool that's what i'll be doing not demoing my own game um well maybe i don't know who knows but uh more on that later maybe so pax east i so i do like pax east it's just a lot for me so i gotta i gotta take it in chunks and then go hide um it so i we talk about board games all the time but i am an, an extremely avid video game fan Uh, to the point where when people ask me what my relationship status is i say i'm in a committed monogamous relationship with my steam account
0: i I was actually gonna say that because i've seen that before yeah (laughs) on your on your bio (laughs) bio? yeah yeah, on your discord bio and i was gonna say (laughs) well actually i did read that about you
1: yeah yeah it's a it's a known fact now it's in the universe my favorite Um, was
0: as i started to read it it said i'm in a committed monogamous relationship and i was like With who? Like, you've never (laughs) talked about anyone. And then I'm like, oh, no, you have talked about them. You've talked about them a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: So, yeah, I actually, I just hit the landmark. I have a one terabyte hard drive that's just Steam games. And I finally got to the point where I had to delete a game to make room for a new game. Uh-huh. So I have I have over one terabyte of Steam games. Anyway, wow. so packs. All right, so mm-hmm. so I did a, a bunch of demoing and I did a bunch of game playing and I was very excited about the games that I played. Um, a couple of them were ones that I was not thinking would draw me in. One of them I totally walked by and then one of the very nice people at the demo was like, oh, hey, we have a, you know, the console's free if you want to try this on the console, if you want to play it on the Switch. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm walking into. And it was basically like, Indie Mega Man X but roguelike and I was like Ooh. I don't get it and then I was playing it and I was like this is so rad oh my god this it so called? Cool. it's called 30XX okay, and the uh going to be googling that Yeah I believe it's this I believe it's a sequel to 20XX which is by the same designer um but it was way fun like holy moly Oh yeah um, this is very
0: Mega Man looking
1: Yeah and it um it had so it's early access 30XX is in early access and mm-hmm. I'm going to email the uh designer some feedback that I had you know a couple of uh, a couple of minor pain points but a lot of just good it just fun it was just fun mm-hmm. it's so good it's, cool. it's it just like cool. it hit so many good notes and so I did the thing where I like bought the i bought it there on the spot and they were like yeah you could pay half off right now and get the steam code for it and i was like done easy That's easy cool. peasy um there was another one i forget the name of but it was a very weird art style and the art style was so wild and cool i mm-hmm. could not even read the title of the game and <laughs> someone told me and i immediately forgot um okay. but you are uh all right wait wait until the end here because it sounds real weird at first you are some sort of like Grim Reaper who is like the Grim Reaper is uh just like a a, and a conventionally attractive woman with a scythe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Uh, And she doesn't talk and she just beats the hell out of these like weird demons that are only drawn in line art. It's a whole it's an experience. It was a whole experience. Wow. I hope I someday learn the name of that game so i can get it i do do? too because it sounds interesting yeah and then the number one thing oh my god the big thing okay so i just told you i'm allergic to lines i waited in a line to play a game Mm -hmm. for the first time ever and it was super worth it because it's probably one of the games i'm the most hyped about ever um so fun fact about me i don't know if you know this but i'm i'm big big and a big dancer. I'm great at dancing and I'm super I've been dancing my whole life. And I also love video games, so of course I love rhythm games. Oh, so okay,
0: first I honestly because i've never seen you dance i I didn't know if you were punking me or not so i was was waiting for the punchline i was like oh nope they're serious okay cool i'm
1: serious yeah i'll give you a a quick 30 second history my very first job i was a break dancer busking in the streets of downtown boston that is how i earned my first money um and i've taught people how to break dance i've taught ballroom dancing i did um uh you know i did uh what else did I do? I competed in East Coast Swing, and one of my jobs for a while, I was a go-go dancer. I'd be suspended in the cage, and I had the whole cute outfit, and I would just, like, dance to techno with, like, the light-up gloves, the LED gloves. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So, yeah, dancing. D- lots of dancing. Look, no. So much dancing in my life. Big, big fan of dancing. And so uh, Crypt the the Dancer. Is a game mm-hmm. that I love. Yeah, very, uh, and yeah, I played, yeah. and so the thing that I waited in line to play was the demo, the pre-alpha demo of Rift of the Necrodancer, which is the sequel, and it's unreal good. Oh my god, that's great! It's so good, even just at pre-alpha, and I'm so so excited. That's um, awesome. Gonna buy that. Gonna buy that game day one, day one, frame one, smash it, frame one immediately. Um, and then the other video game I was excited about is a game that a friend of mine is making. Check it out. Uh-huh. Check it out. It's called Me, My Mech, and I and it's uh it's made by yeah it's made by a bunch of friends it is imagine if stardew valley but with a mech like a mech that you are it used to be a war mech and you're like i'm no longer a war human i don't exactly know the plot but instead of using your mech for fighting you're using your mech for farming and helping people out
0: you indeed are oh my gosh this looks hilariously good i love it yeah
1: yeah so yeah me my mech and i and it is very cute uh, a big cool. big fan and I and it was just so awesome. I didn't even know they were going to be there and then I walked by it and I was like you're kidding me and the booth was like six of my friends just chilling and like working and I was like oh my god this is so cool. So that was rad. Um I bought about 50 pounds of board games because I had a big backlog of mm-hmm. uh, of stuff that I was trying to but it was like like, set aside the money for this game i'm gonna buy it online and then i was just lazy about buying it online because i was busy and just got distracted Mm -hmm. and then i went on a shopping run and just bought them all (laughs) in the same trip and then i had to bring home 50 pounds of board games so that was a mistake um but i have a lot of rad games very Mm -hmm. excited um and uh and i demoed for Resinim. Uh, I demoed Glitch Squad and Phantom Inc. for Resonim, and I cool. demoed Northguard for Hachette at the Night Moves booth. And both of them were very, very fun. I was a little nervous because a, a game of Northguard is one of those games that's like area control and like a bunch of other mechanics, and it's a big, long, <laughs> crunchy game. And it's like, you know, a four player game is going to take like two to three hours probably for a first play. It's one mm-hmm. of those. And I was very nervous about trying to demo that, but I got it down to under 15 minutes, which I. Nice. Think is an extreme credit to me. I can demo that's, the whole game in like good, 12 yeah. minutes now. Um, that's super solid. Yeah. So that is was that a really cool game, skill absolutely. to learn. Yeah, yeah. That is. So that, yeah. yeah. As far as like my professional development, I think that's probably the most important thing. Oh, um, yeah, and the yeah. it was just me blabbing into the un- ether, the ether, yeah, the universe. Yeah.
0: It's, it's one of the reasons we've always done pitches on this show because I, I think that in addition to talking about games and things like that and, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. Like the idea of like practicing pitching a game is like, that is, that's practice and how you're going to say it to a publisher, how you're going to show it to play testers. And it's the exact same when you're, when you're demoing games, I I agree with you. I think being someone who demos games is a very good uh, learning opportunity and skill builder for board game designers. That's a good, I I honestly don't think we've ever said that before on this podcast, but it, it is worth noting. So. Yeah,
1: oh, 100%. And I actually, for to tie it into fight sequence for a second, I mm-hmm. was really kind of stressing about my demo experience until, mm-hmm. it was around this time last year, I forget exactly when it was, but Matthew Hawker of ku Games, who is a fantastic human, um, demoed it, Indeed. I was playtesting Indeed, Matthew
0: is a fantastic human, yeah.
1: So I was playtesting fight sequence for like a bunch of sessions at Break My Game. Specifically, Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, how can I make the demo smoother? How can I make it shorter? And Mm -hmm. Matthew, who has self-published several games now and goes to a ton of conventions. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Composition Bittersweet. Those are the ones to look for for Matthew. Yeah, Um, yeah. Both very fun games, and uh, and yeah, he gave me a ton of awesome tips about like how to do a guided demo, how to make it a lot shorter, how to get people excited about the game in the demo, all this other stuff. And now I can demo fight sequence in its entirety in ten minutes with a guided demo. People aren't asking nearly as many questions. Almost like almost never do I get a question about like someone being confused on a thing. And I was like, this is incredible. I'm so excited about this. It no, is. No, so, Pax yeah. Unplugged. I, I
0: got that demo, and it was great. So yeah. Was it from when I finally got to do it. I'm glad I waited
1: until you got the good demo down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have been sitting there for 20 minutes being like, Jamie, what right, the hell? Right. Like, how does this game work? But yeah, you got the post-Matthew Hawker demo. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, I, and I, I agree, like 800% demoing is a really, really important skill. And it's one of those things that, like, I took for granted. Until yeah. I mm-hmm. started having to do it myself, especially at conventions. For sure. So. And that makes sense. I mean, it's easy to take that kind of
0: stuff for granted until you have to do it, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Um, since you talked about video games in your packs thing, I want to throw out a video game that was recommended to the BTG channel by Connor, Wake. Yeah. Uh Dredge, uh, which was on yeah. Steam. And of course it's only, it's uh it's not for Mac because it's never for Mac. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, Oh wait, it's on switch. So I downloaded that yesterday and played for about two hours. And, uh, before I should have been sleeping.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's how it goes. Yeah. Wow. Real good. That
0: game is really good. Um, it's basically, you're a, you're a, um, a fisher and you're an angler is what they call you you're an angler. Uh, mm-hmm. and you
1: are, uh, you've got a yeah, You calculate angles. I get it.
0: Yeah. Right. And you, uh, <laughs> and you've got the, 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 uh, hull of your ship where you store things, Uh, is basically a a puzzle, a spatial puzzle with um, Tetra-shaped pieces. And uh, it's super fun. And then there's like what I believe might be some eldritch horror baked into it. Like it's like... Oh,
1: one of those. It's... At night
0: it's creepy. um, And I don't know. I basically go hide at night on the docks and don't go out. That's fair. uh, Except for what I've had to. But Connor said eventually I will have to. um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And it's it's creepy. Like rocks pop up out of nowhere when you're at night, even if you have your lights on, you're like, Well, there's no rock there during the day. What the heck? So mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 pretty cool. If you damage your ship, it like puts X's in some of the spots uh where you would be able to put things. Oh, so it kind of screws up your puzzle. And yeah, okay. if that spot cool. that gets damaged, uh you're holding something in it that will fall off. Uh, which Ooh. is really not cool. So
1: that yeah. reminds me of um Galaxy Trucker. Oh yeah, the yeah, board, yeah. Board game Galaxy Trucker, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, have you you've played Backpack Hero, right? You know about Backpack Hero?
0: Uh, no. I'm not what? That that oh a, my god. Okay. So, all right.
1: Yeah. So first of all, Dredge sounds awesome. Second, Backpack Hero. I give a. I need to. How do I word this appropriately? I give it a cautious recommendation. Okay. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. <laughs> the The way that I describe it is that it is a phenomenal base system that the de- I th- when last I checked the devs are having trouble balancing the specific elements within the system okay. but the core system is awesome and I have faith that eventually the the elements will be balanced mm-hmm. everything will be great it's just at the moment you know it's early access right now and it's like it's a right, little wonky right. and I think they might be I don't know anyway backpack hero um, yeah it looks
0: like you store things in a backpack yes. with uh with the tetris shapes trying to um
1: trying to fit what you want right yes Uh, and the puzzle comes from where you put things and how for example if you have a bow and you you need to put arrows to the right of the bow and then the bow will fire the arrows to the right of the bow and the arrows deal more damage for every empty space in the row to the right of the arrow
0: Interesting. That's cool. So there's stuff like
1: that. Yeah. And then there's stuff like gems that says, Hey, every weapon touching this gem has bonus damage or, uh, Oh yeah. Or something like, uh, here's a, here's a, the cool artifact. And it says like at the start of each fight, you lose one HP for every item that you can draw a diagonal line to from this gem but all your weapons in the bag deal bonus damage or like have a bonus fact there's a lot of cool stuff going on in that game in terms of concepts for what things do that's a neat idea it's really really neat and then like when it when i talk about the balance of the systems it's like the numbers on some stuff is wonky like some things are over or under numbered essentially Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of effects but, but what a great concept. Like oh, what yeah. a Really cool oh, yeah. concept. I love it. It's I love cool.
0: interplay of things and uh, spatial puzzles and things like that. And yeah. especially in a video game format, just because it does all the calculations for you. So you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Because I love it in a board game, too. But I'm lazy and I don't want to have to calculate a bunch of stuff because I'm going to screw it up. Like I'm going to forget <laughs> something.
1: Um yeah, I mean, we, we uh, so my housemates and I, we are in a frosthaven campaign and we're, even with the three of us putting our heads together to make sure we're doing all the bookkeeping, we mm-hmm. mess up like yeah. constantly. I mean, it happens, right? Anyway. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's actually something I've been reflecting on a little bit in board game design. It's this concept that like, it's the sort of thing that I was feeling and I couldn't really put words to it until I saw someone else put words to it. And I was like, oh my God, Eureka, of course. It's the this theory of like, House rules, like okay, like mm-hmm. who? Some people are against house rules. I don't understand why. I'm for house rules. Why am I for them? It's like, if I make this game right and I sell you this game, you now own the game. You basically—it's just like a bunch yep. of pieces. Literally, and it's like, do whatever you want with that. You can do whatever, whatever you stop want. You,
0: and, and I have, you paid me
1: for it. So exactly, have your fun. right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 all about having your fun,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that's exactly mm-hmm. it. It's like right. I have designed a game with a rules system that I believe you know, makes a fun and interesting challenge and right, balance right. And all this good stuff. But if you aren't having fun with it and there's something you can change or do or things right. you can do adjust yeah. to make it fun for you, absolutely do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Oh, I forgot why I got into that. Um house rules. You were talking about um
0: you were talking about things we forget in games.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And so like if you're gonna forget some stuff but like you're still having fun, then who cares? It doesn't matter right, at all. Right.
0: That is <laughs> you know? so that is because I'm bad about that, right? Like I'm bad about like, oh we forgot to do this upkeep or we forgot to do this thing. So like it's been something I've been very conscious about in new designs where Mm -hmm. myself or a co-designer says, Oh, we could add this in. And I'm like, no, one's going to remember that. They're going to forget that. Yeah. Guaranteed. Like, yeah. um, I actually have a cool story about that, but I'll put a pin in it. Then I'm not excited about it. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to have those rules if you can avoid them. Um, Yeah. It's been kind of something I've been really trying to focus on because that, that mental load can be heavy and it, it can make the game not fun. It can turn a simple game into a game of, Oh, we forgot this. Oh, well, that means that, Oh, now what do we do? You know, like, and I, those are those moments are not fun when you have to go back and say, Oh, I forgot to draw a card. That's like a simple one, but like, you know, I forgot to yeah. do this other thing. Like that's, you know, I think trying to kind of set the table so that everything flows, it makes it easier for players to not have those issues.
1: Yeah, um, it's the it's the accidental cheat. It creates feel bads. Right. Right. it's like it yeah so like going back to Frosthaven, there was this scenario that we misplayed where we were being chased by wolves mm-hmm. like that was the story and we just mm-hmm. in the last part of the map the part that we are being chased by wolves in mm-hmm. we forgot to spawn the wolves for like four rounds and we were almost at the end and we were like huh where did the wolves come in and then we reread the booklet and we were oh. like we were supposed to spawn them every round they were supposed to chase us and so we had to like try to retcon the whole thing because that was such a major part of the scenario mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was it was a not a good feeling but um but yeah, going back to, like, not designing it into games, this is a lesson, this is one of those lessons that I learned over time in Fight Sequence, mm-hmm. um, is the, it, it, Anders and I have talked a lot about the concept of the invisible modifier, and it's one of my issues with Battlecon, um, As you know, quick five second recap Battlecon is a like a PvP fighting game Mm -hmm. that's trying to emulate fighting video games. And I played it for an entire summer with Anders basically and some other people. And I was at the end, I was very frustrated by it because it was not the experience that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it almost single handedly spawned the first prototype of fight sequence. Okay. So Battlecon is like an anti inspiration for me for fight sequence. Um, Like, hey, I hate that
0: this game does this. Let's try and make it not this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It is not that it is a bad game. I want to, or that I think oh, it's no, a bad game. No, or that I, mean, I, I, I mean, want to put that on record.
0: You it's could just, say you think it's a bad game. It doesn't mean it is a bad game. It means you, to you, it's a bad game, and there's nothing wrong right. with that.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I get a little, I get a little antsy about like people judging art as if it were objective fact, because that's no, not I, how I, art works. I but, completely like, agree
0: with you. I'm just <laughs> saying, like your opinion that it's not a good game, is not gospel obviously right like oh you know, yeah no cuz I,
1: I don't know everything i just know right. almost everything ah yes ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to the point at hand uh the one one of the things that frustrated me about playing battlecon is that there are a lot of invisible modifiers and so when i was first designing fight sequence i had invisible modifiers mm-hmm. and it's the sort of thing uh one of the there are several things that came out of the design because i as the designer and creator of the game mm-hmm. could not keep them Yep. in my yep. brain. One of my my favorite example is there was this little token that I made just for me and then every single other person that played the game also loved it. So in fight sequence you can have a you can have up to 9 like cards, 9 actions in mm-hmm. a sequence. And I don't know if you know what subitizing is. If you know. I do not. Okay. No. Subitizing is the word for um a human being being able to count something without counting it like you immediately okay. know how yeah. many objects like if i'm holding two things in my hand you don't have to count one two you know i hold two know. things yeah. Yeah. that's subitizing. yeah yeah and most people can subitize like up to four things maybe sometimes five things that's like mm-hmm. the average and right. then after that, that you have to, you have to actually to have count fingers.
0: honestly that's probably Ooh, that why. makes sense yeah. yeah
1: or four fingers and a thumb yeah Oh my gosh! Now you sound like my kid. Shut up. Oh no. Well, I mean, we sorry. I'm saying <laughs> not not that I don't think the thumb is the finger, but in terms of the position on the hand, because the four yeah. fingers are right next to each other. What I mean what is, is I mean. we have
0: five things we can hold up, like that we continually hold up for count how many fingers. Right? Um, yeah. So I think our brains are kind of hardwired
1: that five would make sense, right? Yeah. So, you know, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense. um so anyway, I made this thing because it's important to know like who gets the last action, who gets the ninth action, because you can't play anymore. So like if I play an attack as the ninth action, you can't do anything about it. Right. Right. Um, and instead, and it's just like as soon as there are like six or seven actions, it's like, all right, I'm thinking, you know, I have a couple cards in my hand, and I I gotta count. It's like, okay, cool, seven. And then I'm reading cards. And then in like thirty seconds later, I have to count again. Yeah, and eventually, yeah. I was just like, okay, come on. And I made this little token where you just put it in the same column as the fifth action and then you can flip it over and it's seventh action and so it's like all right fifth action and then the one after that you know it's the sixth yeah you play the seventh you flip it over you put it there and i made it just for me because i kept forgetting as the designer of the game like i had to keep counting and it it immediately was a smash hit anyway that was a digression another thing of this oh sorry that is something that
0: i watch out for as well like I've I've started looking at play tests, I will notice that I forget to do something. Right? Yeah, uh, and if, yeah. If I do, if it's not super key, I just won't tell the players and see if anyone notices. And if no <laughs> one does, then I'm like, okay, either this needs to be integrated in a different way or I need to cut this because it didn't affect the players or did it and they didn't realize it. And in which right. case I need to fix it, but I need to make it obvious of what needs to happen. Yes. So that's why I'm so big on the player aids now too, is that, you know, Oh my God. Aids player that AIDS. Say, yeah.
1: At the beginning of the turn, do these steps. Done. It's you know, it's so important, and I. It is that's it another really thing is. that I've been taking for granted, and I just I just made revamped player. I mean, you you played fight sequence post revamped player aids right, too. Right. Like that was yeah. that's very recent. Yeah. Yep. Um. But yeah. So the main example, I digressed a few times, but the main example in terms of like I myself as the designer kept forgetting things and going to the invisible modifiers. There are a whole bunch of things in fight sequence that generate tokens like they give you a stack mm-hmm. um the main one is like you know armor and resistance they give you these defensive stats and it's right, like all right, right cool i you know i resolved this response i have three armor mm-hmm. and it did not take me very long for me to turn that into a token card that you collect right, right and i did it for armor and resistance and i wasn't doing it for other things you know like you know all of your attacks this sequence have extra power or like your next attack is 20 speed 20 mm-hmm. extra speed like all yeah. this other stuff every single thing has a token if it generates a modifier that yeah, isn't yeah. just affecting the one action that it's in it has mm-hmm. a token um yeah. and that's and, smart I mean it, it's yeah.
0: worth it's worth the cost of admission for those pieces yes um because and, yeah. it it simplifies the mental load on people um yeah for sure we, we did that with Tiernanog quite a bit with um, tokens when the because some cards you know the cards have a color but some cards are colorless. Uh, or some cards can actually change the color or number of other cards so we have tokens that you lay over top of those colors and numbers to tell oh, you like hey i've cool. changed the color of this uh, for you know just to ensure that people are like okay you know you're not have to try and remember right yeah um, yeah
1: you want and going back to the mental load you want as little mental load to be needed to allocate for bookkeeping because right, so right. much of the mental load and like the fun of the game is not the bookkeeping it's the interacting with the game systems and strategizing and stuff
0: and so. plus the the tokens on is something who say like this has changed but it can also tell you like in in again like something could change again right like if it's like calculate whenever this happens you know now i know what the value is but okay i move this card because another card let me move it now i know um you know what that i need to recalculate this right and i don't have to Mm -hmm. start from scratch i have the information in front of me so so yeah i think that that kind of stuff is super important and um i'm I'm working on an idea right now that i'll uh we'll we'll talk a little bit about in our topic believe it or not this Mm -hmm. is not our topic but our topic's a little bit of a short topic (laughs) so this works out yeah um you know that i've been trying to do and like i my goal for this is cards only um, and because oh, of that, I know I all about card yeah, right. So because of that, I'm figuring out ways to create not tokens, but to create non-invisible usage, right? um of of items. One of the mm-hmm. one of my favorite things ever was in the game that inspired me to design board games, uh, which was the game Lawless um by Bruno Cathala. It's, it's it's the first game of his that was ever published, not the first game he designed. Um, but it was the first game he ever published or had, you know, published and, um, or backwards. It was one of the two, but anyways, um, it's not a perfect <laughs> game by any means. It's, it's, it's got a lot of unbalanced stuff in it, frankly. Um, but it just really inspired me to, to want to, you know, design board games. Uh, I think it's completely out of print now too. Uh, Ooh, but anyways, we love that. Uh, there were these, uh, you, you have cows in it and the cows, uh grow over the course of the turns but all you have is a card for the cow so all you do is the cow starts right side up and Mm -hmm. you tap it and then you tap it again and then you tap it again and then when it gets right side back up again it's spent its four turns and now it's a full grown cow but you can take it at any point during there and you immediately know where it's at in the uh in the cycle because you've been just turning the card it's so simple Yes. And i remember thinking wow and that that game has tokens and stuff in it but that would have been a crap ton of tokens to track that it would have been yeah. a pain in the butt to have to swap them every turn and this way you just
1: turn the card turn it not tap it you know tm but you it, can turn it. Uh, actually the trademark on tap expired i think uh two years ago thank goodness yeah. because it's that's yeah. what everyone says anyways like because it just makes yeah. sense and richard garfield is on record for regretting filing the trademark he didn't understand the effects that it would have in the gaming world. Yeah, that's fair. That's
0: totally fair. Yeah. Well, and I mean, back then, too, when he designed that, like, I don't think there was the thought of, like, sharing is caring, right? I mean, like, right. when you come up with a cool name, like, it would be like if um, Donald X Veccarino had let them, you know, file a patent on or a trademark on the term deck builder, right? like right I, I mean i don't know that they came up with that for dominion like the name deck builder right but like wherever yeah. that came from like that's just stupid like you want to be able to say this game is a deck builder because yeah talking about games that are you know it's a roll and right like it's this it's that trademarking yeah. things is that's dumb like when it comes to that i agree
1: and there is it, one that is exposure. persisting and i still think it's dumb it's what the fact it? that only fantasy flight games can call something a living card game they have trademarked the term "living card game," That's so nobody dumb. else can do that. Uh, super so dumb. most people call it like an evolving card game or something, right. an additive card game, whatever. Right. Um, That's good. That,
0: I didn't realize that. So I've yeah. seen that before, like a living card game TM. But I kind of expe- I kind of was thinking. I guess not thinking through it was that like by that they just meant like it was like something to do with the world or something they were using, right? Like it's a but no, no, they yeah. mean like a card game that. You know, because yeah, magic is a living card game. I mean, any CCG is a living card game, right?
1: Or no? Yeah, I think, well, a living card game specifically refers to like, yeah, there are deck builders and you like, like there's a deck building component or some sort of additive component. But all of the cards that you need in like every card in this set comes in the box and you get like the maximum like number. So like in Netrunner, if you're buying a new set of Netrunner, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you have a max, you could put up to three copies of a card in your deck. You and there's the there's them. the corp and the runner yeah and so you right. buy the set right. and you get three copies of every corp card and every runner card gosh, that you can magic then add to previous like sets magic is no. like we
0: are not a living card game
1: buy more yeah, packs exactly exactly <laughs> we are an, a debt creating card game yeah Oh um, gosh but yeah that cow mechanic is very cool and this is one of those things that it's like many many people had that idea it's the sort of like nobody really knows who invented it and everyone is like, I came up with the cool idea for this thing. And it's like, that has existed and every single, so I actually had something similar with tokens um, mm-hmm. in fight sequence. Like one of the first iterations, it was a different token along each side of the card, which quickly became two tokens on each half of the card, which quickly became, it's a full token to try to like, make people remember that this was and that evolved as like you know seeing people skip it anyway um I saw a game I forget the name of it but it was an article about like some cool graphic design ideas and someone was talking about this exact thing that they made for this game where it was Mm -hmm. a weapon durability so Mm -hmm. you play the card it starts upright and the durability is in the upper right corner and then each time it loses durability you turn it and then the new durability is in the upper right corner in the new orientation yeah that's amazing yeah yeah um, I'm playing. I've been head over heels for a fighting game that isn't mine. Oh my god, if you could believe it, um, that I'm drawing a lot of inspiration from, because um, I play a lot of two-player games, as you uh-huh. might imagine, because I design yeah. a lot of two-player games. So I, I'm studying always. Sakura Arms is the name of the game that I'm, I'm, I'm not playing. Familiar, yeah, um, you are not familiar. I'm said? not. No. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, fighting game, bunch of tokens, similar thing. There is a mechanic. There's a, a, there's a stat that you get vigor. Mm -hmm. um vigor is one of the two ways to pay for basic actions which are how you like advance forward towards your opponent or Mm -hmm. retreat or you know like bulk up and defend or like focus so you can use your ultimate stuff like that those are basic actions and in order to um you have to either discard a card from your hand you draw cards every turn you have to either discard a card from your hand or spend one vigor Mm -hmm. and you can have a maximum of two vigor and so it's a, on the player aid. I think this is very cool. On the player aid that mm-hmm. tells you all the basic actions, on three of the sides, there's a big zero, one, two. And it's also your vigor tracker. Nice.
0: That's nice. That's great. Cool, yeah. And I
1: think that that's very, very smart. And the way they set it up is very cool. I don't know if you know this, but uh, many humans can read things that are up to 90 degree angles. And then after that, it becomes much harder. Um, it's mm, much harder for yeah. to be able to read upside down. Uh, yeah. And, Like 90 degrees we're good for like a lot of people Uh once it becomes like 92 degrees it's like now it's upside down mode for a lot of people which is wild and so this vigor tracker so like the one is on the long top part Mm -hmm. if you're you know it's a poker sized card Mm -hmm. and that's where the player aid is so no matter if it's zero one or two you're always reading it either right side up or a 90 degree angle, you're never turning nice. it upside down. I that's was like, cool. that is yeah. something that I, I know exactly why they did that. And I'm, right. I think that's super right. cool. That's cool. Yeah. So anyway, right. what's the topic?
0: Yeah. So, so it's going to be more of a brief discussion than a topic. Cause we've spent yeah. 30 plus minutes talking already, but that's okay. This was all good stuff. And this was all interesting. Um, So, so I've had this, so I, I've made statements before, like where we've talked about, you know, getting games out of your head. And uh, I think John Gilmore, when we had him on uh, one time, we really talked about like getting games out of your head as quickly as possible to iterate on them, figure out if they're a good idea, and then either move on uh, forward with the game or, or, you know, chuck it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I was very much in line with that idea, and then what I found was I, I would find games that I was really excited about in my head. I was like, Oh man, this sounds really cool. And then I would immediately start to kind of write it down, figure it out, make a small spreadsheet, calculate it, make a prototype, play it, hate it, move on. Yeah. Um, And what I started to ask, like, so what I found is recently I had an idea. And I'm not going to really explain much about the idea other than it's it's a cozy style game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just be cards, and i I kind of had this vision in my head of like that like you know like a vision, like oh, like I had a like a vision <laughs> in my head, I could envision what the cards look like <laughs> and the feeling I wanted you to have when you played it, and that's pretty typical for me, like that is kind of how I start on a lot of things and and then I immediately was like, I should oh my gosh, I gotta start putting ideas down, and then I stopped myself because I'm super duper. Um, uh, I'm super duper like into this game idea. Like it's really right up my alley. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that I'm gonna put it down on paper, not like it, and then move on. And I kind of hate that because I really like this idea. Mm. So what I've been doing for the last like three weeks now is just rolling the idea over in my head. Adding to it, subtracting from it, basically working on the idea in my head where it's not written down and it's still perfect. Like even when I have an idea, I'm like, "Oh, that's not going to work." It still feels perfect because it's not written down, right? And I know that there are positives to this. I know there are negatives to this. Yeah. And I wanted to talk to somebody else who, you know, I mentioned this topic to you. You're like, "Oh, that sounds really interesting" because of how Mm -hmm. you, you know, don't tend to write stuff down right away um and so yeah i just really like like what are your thoughts on on that in general
1: well to dive into what you said in particular the thing that stands out to me the most is how you talk about how you know while it's in my head it's still perfect yeah yeah and it's like the you know no plan survives contact with the enemy kind of right, thing right right and you know, i and like i know that reality. right and that's the fear right is yeah, that when i take exactly. it out of my
0: head it's going to be like mm it's not what i thought it was
1: yeah, I well, mean, you could even have said been. what I was going to say—that it right. say that it's motivated by fear,
0: right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, but, like, and it's it's being precious with the idea too, right? Yes. Like, I, I would yeah. not. But are there benefits to that? Like, are there benefits to shaping it and molding it in your head before you start to sculpt, like for real?
1: Uh, yes, I say yes. There are. So I have a number of thoughts on this subject what i but to, to i i think something else was brought up like there's a tangent that i want to go on for a second first
0: sure yeah i
1: think that the idea of being precious about a game you know we talk a lot about you know you have to be able to kill your darlings and all this other stuff mm-hmm, which is Here's true the- of course but yeah. but <laughs> tr- 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 but and this is an important lesson that i did not internalize until i started really hearing maya thomas talk about her games yeah, yeah. Maya has She's a game. Great. Yeah, she, awesome. And she she was saying I I'll have to paraphrase. I can't remember exactly what she was saying, but she was talking about we were talking about like how important it is for you to enjoy your own game and it is totally okay to make a game that has an audience of one and it's you or uh, I remember she was talking about how she, uh, she has this game. It's a game about flower arrangements, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Uh And she is designing it for her partner specifically. Mm -hmm. And if other people like it, fine, but that it doesn't matter. The intended audience is like two people and it's for her and her partner to play together. And, and it's like, that's super important. So like you have this, So this is the thing that is standing out to me. You have this fear of putting it down on paper because it might be ruined after you do that, quote unquote, ruined after you do that. You're being precious with the idea. It's a game that's right up your alley. All this other stuff. It's like, you know, I know that you, you know, you're publishing games to, you know, for I mean, not mass market appeal. That was the term that popped in my head. But like for the appeal of others, you know, sometimes sometimes I do
0: want mass market appeal. But other exactly. Yeah.
1: It, like literally as of recording this episode you have a game on GameFound and all this right, other right. stuff and but... a game that's going to the mass market next month so... oh my god <laughs> yeah game. so exciting but yeah but like you, despite that it is still totally cool for you to make a game that's just for yourself and if uh right and right. then after that it might spread to other people and that's right, cool right. too um I mean, that's kind of what I did with fight sequence. I literally was just trying prototypes out until I got to the point where I found a game that I never got sick of and was the experience that I wanted to play. Right,
0: and then you and said, "Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe other
1: people want to play this too." And look at look at us now. I uh, I still can't talk about big secret publisher thing, but I might have big secret publisher news soon. Good, might be big good. public publisher news. Uh, anyway, um, right, back right. to the back to the matter at hand. Um, I. Well, let's let's since since
0: we're trying to like make this topic kind of concise, and neither one of yeah. us really have
1: notes because we just kind of wanted to wing you it. Know, just yeah, wing it. Um, oh yeah, back to the original question: is uh, pros and cons of thinking of stuff exactly like what? No. Let's talk through the pros and cons of that. Yeah, right? sure. So I one of the big things that I tell as many people as will listen is that Mm -hmm. your brain is super powerful and your subconscious will do so much heavy lifting for you. So a lot of my design process is actually in my head um, where I will like, I'll think of designs and I'll have Eureka moments Mm -hmm. because I let my subconscious do the work. I'll write down those Eureka moments or like I'll use that to edit the game. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not trying to churn out the rest of the game right now. Right. Right. Like I do it until I'm inspired and then I, Right. pause it until the next time i'm inspired by like you know watching anime or you know living right. my life all this other stuff
0: and so oh sorry i was just gonna say what you're talking about with the background processing that is i mean that is a a neurodivergent trait i have as well of yeah. being able to just um say to my brain like hey wouldn't it be interesting if and then just walking away like you know what i mean like <laughs> like hey brain what if you thought about this? Because like I know my brain well because I have OCD and like I know my brain well enough to know that like I can think of something bad. Like what if this awful thing happened? And my brain's like, "Let's think about that for a while." So instead of yeah. like, "Hey brain, what if this cool game was a thing?" and then I just say, "Work on that." And mm-hmm. it just kind of like goes in the background and I forget that I'm thinking about it. And then I'm like, "Ooh. Oh, well, what about this? What about that?" You know, and it's one of the one of the small benefits to <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's having some, a brain that doesn't work plans, right yeah. most of
0: the time, but there are some things it's really good at. <laughs> yeah. That's one of them.
1: Yeah, I totally understand. And this is this is a big reason why when it comes to early design, I don't write anything down. Because mm-hmm. things change a lot. And right. my brain in general moves faster than I can write things. And I tend right, to like right. go down rabbit holes when I write stuff. Well, um, I think
0: that when you when you write stuff down, it starts to become concrete and linked in ways that can restrict your thinking right mm-hmm. like when i start making a spreadsheet now exactly I have to what know, is. how does this card interact with that and what does that mean and oh what kind of card counts am i thinking and and i i literally can't keep that information in my brain like i can't do it my brain doesn't work that way mm-hmm. so if i don't write it down then my brain is free to to kind of ponder whatever it wants to ponder in regards okay. to this and i'm able like i was like oh what if I use this mechanic from this other game? And I was like, nope, that doesn't work. Doesn't achieve what I'm hoping to achieve. Okay, well, I'll move on from that. Like, and it was easy. Like my brain just did it. And I was able to say, like, it was like, hey, Jason, what do you think of this idea? And I was like, no brain, bad, move on. Cards only, brain, cards only. Get back to work.
1: I have a cards only brain, it's true. Although, well, you'll hear when you hear in the pitch, it's not just cards only anymore. Um, so
0: I think a con I just want to throw out because I'm going to forget it if I don't, is that, of course, if you want to make a game, eventually it has to leave your head. Yes. Otherwise, you're just you're just playing a game in your head, which is OK, but you're not designing a game for anyone's consumption. Not even you're really yourself because right. it's just in your head.
1: <laughs> it's just theoretical. Yeah. 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 Another part of it that I think plays a big part, at least for me, um, are you familiar with the terms uh, top-down and bottom-up designer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so I am, in almost all cases, I am very much a top-down designer, as much as possible. And mm-hmm. I only use bottom-up design to fill in, like, the final pieces of the puzzle, the final holes. Right, um,
0: right. I realize that I know what you're talking about, but you should define it. In case oh it was, yeah yeah sorry episode. i was um, like oh yeah yeah so, oh wait
1: a minute so the the terms that i'm using were coined by mark rosewater who's the lead designer of magic the gathering and has been for a long time and uh-huh. i think that in board game world there's there are alternate terms but mean the exact same thing so to talk about it in terms of what? a magic card what so if if i'm looking at a magic card the general setup is there's the name at the top and mm-hmm. then the big piece of art and then what the card does below the art. right right um and so the idea behind top-down design is you start with the name and the art. And Mm -hmm. then you talk about what it does after. So it's like, and then bottom up is you start with the mechanics, the text box, and you add on the flavor after the fact that's named the art. So top down is
0: more like fluff. uh, And I mean that in a loving way, whereas bottom up is more crunch. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. flavor first or mechanics first. So the really easy way to differentiate those, um, the 10 second example is let's take fireball. If I'm doing top-down design, it's like cool. I want to make a character that throws fireballs. Cool. I'm throwing a fireball. What does that? How is that reflected in the mechanics of my game? I really want a fireball. Right. right. How does that work? And the other it, bottom up is something like cool. I really want this big, big damage spell, and maybe it deals splash damage to the you know adjacent things right. or whatever. It's like, All right, cool. Well, yeah. thematically, what yeah. what would capture that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I think,
0: I mean, this is the theme versus mechanics thing is really what top yeah. down is. It's a more technical way of saying theme versus mechanics, right? It's a little yep, more theme first mechanics focused, first. but exactly. it is the same concept, right?
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And so I am very much like theme first as much as possible, which mm-hmm. is, I think so, it, it surprised a few of my designer friends when I say that, because, you know, my games tend to be technical. Um or like yeah, but it doesn't like, focus, I mean, but. I design a ton of
0: puzzly stuff, but it almost always starts with theme because I need help. Like, I need something inspiring to make me think of the cool mechanics that are going to be puzzly. Exactly. Because I have to know what to tie them to, right? Like, so I'm right. like, okay, so I'm walking through a forest. Okay, so that means that like the the mechanics have to have to inspire that.
1: Yeah. You know? And then here's here's the the big thing that ties it all together and the big reason why I don't like to write things down until basically the last second mm-hmm. is that these are cyclical. Um they cycle they like rotate into each other. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with fight sequence, I didn't know that the game was about psychics thinking about fighting until later on. Right. It's I wanted I wanted the stack for Magic the Gathering as a simpler game that only cared about the stack. And it's like, all right, right. well, what sort of and then, you know, I had the themes for cards and I made those specific mm-hmm. cards and then I made mechanics that match those themes and then so on and so forth. And at some point it was about psychics thinking about fighting and that's why they built the fight backwards. But if I, and that's the sort of thing you were talking about, cementing ideas by writing stuff down. If I tried to write something down, it felt like that was locked in and I had to design everything else around it and it stagnated my thought process. This is actually why I... Um, I've been struggling to write flavor text because I keep, I you know, right now how the character, like the character's specific personalities in fight right, sequence right. are still a little fluid because I have not written them down yet. I've tried Next to like write the gender. Before. Oh, whoa. Bing, 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 bing. That's pretty good. Huh? Nailed <laughs> I'm it. i good about that. <laughs> I, you should. That was great. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. Write what you know is what they, is what they say. So I don't right, write right. anything. Um, <laughs> uh, nice. So, so, well <laughs> so uh so yeah it's it's tough because yeah once you write stuff down it's locked in but at some point you have to lock in something and try it and it goes right. back to this idea of like you know a game is never done you just have to decide to stop working on it yes 100 I, I this is this is the big fun part spoiler alert i don't know everything that's going on in my brain i have no easy way to tell you when I feel like something is done enough that I write it down. I Um, know
0: I've worked with co-designers where I was like, so I think we're pretty much set. So I'm like, I'm thinking like, Oh, we're pretty much set here. And the co-designers like, I mean, I think another, you know, like 10, 12 play tests and some, some balancing and tweaking of this. And I think, I think we'll be mostly ready to show this to someone. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Okay. I was like, no, actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I disagree with that. But, um, but like, I'm, you know, I'm more likely to say, like, yeah, let's just keep doing that. Right. I mean, let's keep iterating until we're both comfortable. Um, I know that uh, Hannah Schaefer and I have done that a ton on, and I say, I, I know that sounded bad when I said a ton, but it's really made the game <laughs> yeah. stronger. If you find this, you know, that was going to be like a short, like, couple month project. And we've been working on it for a few years now. Yeah, Um, But by doing that, the game has grown leaps and bounds and went places it never would have had we not taken the time to explore all of that. And so I'm super proud that we've done that. So, yeah, I think to put a pin in this little discussion here, the simplest things to say are and tell me if I'm wrong. But like, you know, you keeping it in your head, the positives are pretty straightforward. It it keeps its perfection. It keeps itself on that pedestal and allows you to freely iterate. On the idea in your head without having to make it super concise or super, you know, strict or attached to anything. Yeah. It lets it be its own, you know, thing. Um, And, and as long as you're inspired by
1: thinking about it and you don't feel quite ready to write it
0: down, I think that's okay.
1: Yeah. I think that. One little bit is, you know, this idea of like it stays perfect while it's in your head. That mm-hmm. might not be a pro, but I think like we could have a whole separate, right? Yeah, podcast yeah, I episode would, about this is just a topic. That. <laughs> I would love
0: to get some others with us into, yeah, yeah, really dive into with more opinions. Yeah, um, because I I think that you know it could be a really big discussion. Oh yeah, um, around it. So and then the cons. The biggest con is of course, you you can't make the game unless you actually write it down. But also mm-hmm. I, you could find yourself, you know, daydreaming about this game for years and never actually making it. Um, which if that means you're not doing anything when you want to be designing games, I think that's a con, right? Oh yeah. Like you've got to be making something. I obviously am working on several other things. And this is like a pet project that I'm like, I'm going to solo design this. I don't want to work with someone else. I want to just figure it out on my own. And this is how I'm going to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Um So I think it's about balance. I would love to hear some others' feedback. I would love to jump back into this topic again. So Mm -hmm. uh, listeners, if there's, you know, if you're interested in in covering this topic again with us with more opinions, let us know and we'll set something up in a a month or so and check back in on it. And by then I might have written some stuff down. (laughs) He
1: (laughs) he he. I, I think it was very fitting that neither of us wrote notes about this. I think that's right. Uh, right. That's yeah, I helpful. kept them all in my head, kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same. And it's uh, and we we barely even scratched the surface.
0: Yeah. No. And that's why I mean, I really, you know, we've kind of put it out there. I would love to see what other people, you know, want to say about it, um, because I, I think there are a lot of pros and cons that you and I we we have very similar thought processes in our designs. I feel like. Yeah. And so I think that. I would love to see some people that don't because they may have very, very different, you know, people who come from a technical side and like, I do all this technical stuff first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Cause that's what helps them. Yeah. So Pitching. you are going to pitch a game. I am. One As of my fun. own games. That I'm working a on. It's not fight sequence. This doesn't even yeah. exist. Yeah. So that's the thing. There's been this huge resurgence in the past few months where I I'm like actually dusting off and design and even designing some new games that aren't fight sequence. I'm like it's like all coming in in a flood. And so you heard about Elemistic last time I was on. Um and now I'm gonna tell you about wild magic. The I love name. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. The pitch of wild magic is four words. Ready? Okay. Druids pitch. Druids fix climate change. that's wild magic <laughs> Druids fix climate change. So <laughs> wild magic if, I mean like if if I was in a
0: store, and I saw the box and the artwork looked at all intriguing. And someone said, "What's this about?" And someone said, "Druids fix climate change." I would be like, "Yep, done." I, done, <laughs> done, done, done.
1: So yes, so that's that's the uh, the main flavor thing about Wild Magic. So the idea here is that it's a collect y'all. All the players are a collective of druids. The mm-hmm. land is freaking out, and you are harnessing the magic of the land to nurture it back to a calm and healthy state. My goodness. So that's, that's that's the general gist. It is a dice drafting game. Is it co-op or it's no. So that's the thing right now. The one thing that's weird and incongruous with the rest of the theme is that Mm -hmm. it is like a competitive one victor game. It's like the, you know, win the most, get the most victory points. And I read it. I mean, like each Druid could have a different specialty and they're trying to, in the
0: reforming of fixing the climate, they're trying to make their specialty be the dominant Thing, yeah right? something like you know? that yeah
1: it's the and i i've already pitched it to a publisher who is it who is very interested in it but it's mm-hmm. a very early design so i'm gonna yeah, yeah. loop back to them in a couple of months um after after i come back from the gamma expo basically i'm gonna do right. a lot of work on it and repitch it to them
0: great
1: yeah but um but yeah it, it's it fits right in the real it's super good i'm very excited but yeah so that was the one thing I readily admitted that like, I am uncertain, but yeah, there's a bunch of things that tie directly into how mm-hmm. the land is, you know, evolving over the course of the game. Yeah. And so it is, it is a tableau building, engine building dice drafter. Those are the mechanics. So every single card, you know, the the dice are just basically normal D6. There are six uh-huh. different elements, normal D6, so on and so forth. The way it works is, let's say it's a four-player game. There's always six dice for each player. All right, so let's say mm-hmm. you, you, the, you and I are playing, right? It's yeah. a two-player yep. game. So there's 12 dice. We roll all 12 at the start of round one mm-hmm. because the magic is still super chaotic. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like a little market row, which anyone can buy from, and we have hands that only we can buy from. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the start yeah. of the so round... Your own spells plus what's going on. Yeah, that makes Exactly. Sense. So we roll all these dice and Mm -hmm. we draw a whole bunch of cards in Mm -hmm. round one because the land is still super chaotic and there's all this free flowing magic that we can tap it into. Mm -hmm. And then as you build your tableau, you might get stuff like, all right, when you do this, draw a card or maybe, you know, this one is worth fewer victory points, but you draw an extra card every round, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. As the rounds progress, this is Mm -hmm. one of the big hooks. All right. So it's round two now. We have started gaining some more control over the land. Instead of rolling all the dice, first we will draw our hands, fewer cards. You discard all your cards and then draw more from the deck. You draw fewer cards every round. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, you are setting a number of dice to the face of your choice. Yeah. And then roll the rest.
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: So that's the big thing. I love that it's that it's diminishing,
0: you know, because everything's getting locked in. I, yeah, oh, that's cool. That's really diminishing
1: cool. cards in yeah. hand. Yeah. For the for the secret. And cards. then diminishing,
0: diminishing randomness as well, because yes. things are getting locked down. I think that's fantastic. Yes.
1: And as the game progresses, there are more like there's a lot more like you have to care about what your opponent is doing, because like mm-hmm. in the last few rounds, it's like you're setting almost all the dice and you're mostly buying from the middle at that point. Right, right. Yeah,
0: you need to finish that. I want to play
1: that. Very badly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really cool idea. I'm very would be, excited about it.
0: It would be very easy to just overall be like, this druid wants more space for the animals. This druid wants this. This druid wants that. And like that's kind of how you declare victory, right? You work together to save the world, but in the end, one of you has gotten what you wanted, and that's the victory <laughs> points you've scored, right? Right. You know, so yeah. yeah. And you could literally keep the victory point system and just thematically make that make sense that way yeah and i think no one would know the difference i love that
1: <laughs> yeah so that's uh it, it's part of my i have a whole bunch of games that i'm working on right now mm-hmm. that are i know the how, feeling i understand yeah, that how, <laughs> yeah but it's a it's a lot of like a couple of them are solo games but the ones that aren't mm-hmm. are like how do i make a competitive game that isn't violent and isn't Antagonistic yeah, in a way, yeah.
0: So. And it's about saving the world from climate change. Which exactly. Seems Druid like something we can use. I wish change. we had druids now. So I so wish I mean, we no. had
1: fixing climate change now. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, druids could do it even better. So right. Though they would probably kill us and just help the animals live.
1: Well, you that, know.
0: But I mean, hey, Maybe. we earned
1: it. So <laughs> that's fair. Us uh. and our forebears. Yes. As opposed to the Druid's four bears, which will yeah. kill us. All four yeah. of them. <laughs> I couldn't excellent, resist. excellent.
0: Well, <laughs> this was fun. This was fun hanging out. No notes. Oh we just, we just yeah, I think back this, and forth on I stuff. this and was it, the it first great.
1: time I showed up with no notes. I think it was, too. It, and it is I like my it. 14th episode, and, and I finally don't have it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm never bringing notes again. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> well, um, but hey, uh, we really mean it. If you, uh, you're one of our regular listeners and you're like, hey, I want to talk about that subject... You talked about tonight. Let me know. Um, reach out to me uh, and Jamie and I will set it up to get both yeah. of us and uh, a couple more of you. I think it'd be an awesomely
1: fun discussion. Heck um, yeah. Even if you're it, an irregular listener. Yeah. Unless you're mean, then don't even yeah. bother.
0: No. Well, if you're mean, we're not going to let you in. It's yeah, right. Yeah um so anyways uh listeners i hope you enjoyed this if you want to get in touch with us you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com there you can find a link to that discord channel that's awesome you can also Mm -hmm. email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com unless it's about bitcoin in which case buzz off (laughs) uh you can also find us on the twitter at podcast at jaslingerlin and x and at 3x rainbow games that's me we hope you keep coming back every single week but until next time
1: good night assuming it's I building the game, building the game, which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends, building
0: the game, building the game, which isn't in friends, which isn't in friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.